This episode of the Incluvi Movie Podcast is brought to you by Wolf Greenfield. Welcome to the Incluvi Movie Podcast, where we talk about all things media and diversity. I'm Kathy Yee. And I'm Hazel Bolivar. For today's podcast, we're going to be discussing movie theaters versus streaming, the current landscape, and what the future looks like for both. But before that, we're going to get into our pop culture moment and talk about what's new and trending in entertainment. For today's pop culture moment, we're going to be turning our attention to the world of comic books. DC Comics made waves in entertainment news when Tim Drake, who is also known as Robin or Red Robin, came out as bisexual. The character already has a large fan base from Batman and Teen Titan comics, so it's really exciting that we're getting such a high-profile, openly bisexual character. 100%. I mean, comic books are for everyone to enjoy, and to see inclusivity on this scale is really reassuring. It's definitely nice to have a win for the LGBTQ plus community after an interesting start to August when rapper DaBaby made comments at a live concert disparaging people with HIV. It's been an incredibly long fight to destigmatize HIV and to hear someone with such influence perpetuate so many harmful and untrue stereotypes is incredibly disappointing, especially after he went on to rescind his Instagram apology. Although the incident was very upsetting, it was fortunately met with an outcry of support for people living with HIV in the queer community, with a resounding disavowal of the baby's comments. Yeah. It's important that people are educated on sexual health and know that HIV is a disease that many live with and that they should be treated with respect. But for now, we'll be turning to our main topic for today, which is movie theaters versus streaming. Today we will be exploring streaming versus movie theaters, the current landscape, and what the future looks like. Let's start with what the majority of Americans now own, which is streaming. What are the options, what do they cost, and which ones are the best? Or at least the most popular anyways. On top of that, what's the future with movie theaters? Are they going to fizzle out? Although we can't predict the future, we'll give our take, including some research and trends. When it comes to streaming, I've found for myself that as more and more distributors and networks create their own platforms, it feels like they're too many to keep track of almost, and too many to really afford if I'm being honest. Given that, there's a need for all of them to compete, trying to own the most enticing exclusives, or feel like the best deal. There's just so much choice, but so many subscriptions, fees, and limits for each one too. Plus it can be hard to keep track of all of them. Coming in at number one for streaming in terms of popularity is, of course, Netflix. No surprise there. With 209 million subscribers, that's over half of Americans for context. The next four in order of popularity and subscriber numbers are Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, HBO Max, and Peacock with 42 million. Not bad for Peacock considering it just launched in the summer of 2020. Owned by NBC Universal and Comcast, I guess they wanted to get in on the game as well. They of course have their shows on the platform, including The Office, SNL, The Tonight Show, as well as NBC Sports content and exclusive North American rights to the WWE Network, which really highlights how important it is for these platforms to have both variety 
and exclusive content to compete for more subscribers. Next for streaming services are Hulu, Apple TV, Paramount Plus, YouTube Premium, and Discovery Plus, coming in at 10th with 15 million subscribers. Given all of these companies entering the market, the landscape of streaming has really changed in the last decade and has changed even more in the past year given COVID. Yeah, I mean, in the past decade, we saw that on top of the traditional VOD services like Netflix and Hulu, many studios and production companies such as Disney, who now owns a majority of Hulu, HBO, and NBC got in on the game. In addition to Amazon and Apple, which were not in the film or television industry prior. In the past year, these businesses have profited from the surge of streaming that has happened as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. And this surge has continued. In the first six months of 2021, the streaming industry increased 21% to $12.2 billion, according to DEG. Moving on to the more traditional realm of movie theaters, Many have begun to wonder if theaters will be able to sustain themselves for the next century due to the surge in streaming and the pandemic. We of course can't predict the future, but let's take a look. Due to the pandemic, the box office took a huge hit. In 2020, theatrical revenue dropped from $42 billion in 2019 to $12 billion in 2020. Theatrical entertainment accounted for only 15% of the total global entertainment revenue, compared to 43% in 2019, according to Forbes. Relating this all to diversity, people of color account for a majority of moviegoers in movie theaters. That's Latino and Black specifically. According to Statistica, in 2020, 68% of tickets for Bad Boys for Life, the highest grossing movie of 2020, were purchased by people of color. Ticket sales from people of color have been increasing over the last few years, In fact, people of color were responsible for the majority of domestic ticket sales for eight of the top 10 movies at the global box office. As of this week, the top grossing movie of 2021 with a domestic box office gross of 178 million is Black Widow, with F9 Fast and Furious coming in at a close second with 172 million right now. I personally hope Marvel's upcoming film Shang-Chi comes out as number one. I'm really excited for an Asian superhero, the first leading role in Marvel throughout its whole history. And I'm also personally not a fan of Scarlett Johansson. Definitely rooting for Simu Liu. I'm also hoping for a successful box office for Shang-Chi, since these numbers remain important, especially in showcasing how successful movies with underrepresented leads can be, given that streaming services as of now don't really release as clear of data on viewership compared to theaters. So definitely for now, movie theaters remain incredibly important for the data that they provide for Hollywood. For streaming, the situation is similar. Ipsos says young people and people of color are most likely to have tried a new streaming service. So the demographics are similar between streamers and theater goers. But even more than that, the in-person experience is always going to be desired. Going out, dressing up, dating, family night, it also seems more special than sitting on a couch like normal. All that laughing and the whole experience are just so fun. My bet is that it's here to stay. Yeah, someone who's worked in movie theaters before, I think the experience is a big draw as well. I personally love to be in an audience and see a film projected on a big screen with the advanced audio experience. So I agree that they're here to stay. And I hope the industry recovers, especially smaller independent theaters, as safer procedures are implemented for movie going during the continuing pandemic. 
But after a quick break, we'll be joined by KJ Anderson and get his perspective on streaming versus movie theaters. This episode is brought to you by Wolf Greenfield, an inclusive intellectual property law firm based in Boston and New York, offering a full range of IP services, including patent prosecution and litigation, opinions and counseling, trademarks, licensing, diligence, and more. Diversity and inclusion are integral parts of Wolf Greenfield's culture and are critical components of the firm's goals of innovation and teamwork and providing clients with optimal service. They understand that they have a professional obligation to promote equal access to justice, and this obligation begins at Wolf Greenfield, where they promote a collegial and familial atmosphere, set diverse hiring and retention goals, and mentor new team members. Check out their Diversity Fellowship Program, where IP Law Fellows are awarded up to $25,000. KJ Anderson is a filmmaker and film critic based in LA and Las Vegas. He also runs the KJ Machine, a YouTube channel and blog focused on news and reviews for television and movies. Welcome, KJ. Thanks for being on our show. Thank you, Kathy. I'm happy to be here. I love what you do with diversity and, and movies, and I know it's your whole focus, so we're really excited to have you. Yes, I love the industry, and I love that you guys are a part of it. Can you give us some context into theaters versus streaming in terms of diversity? Sure. In doing research on the industry itself, specifically cinema, one of the things that I noticed is that they kind of contribute their, even though they're improving, they're doing a lot of improvements in the industry, but they, they contribute their lack of diversity to to the box office. Basically, domestic and um worldwide sales and because they say that they don't do so well overseas that's kind of their their biggest challenge when it comes to diversity Um, and then on the other hand you have streaming services which are dominating when it comes to diversity they have a lot of um, niche targets that they do with the content that they're creating and their subscriber base is soaring, which is why I think it's contending so much with the cinema industry. There was a lot that happened in 2020, as you know. There was the COVID-19 pandemic, Black Lives Matters was important, and then there was also anti-Asian hate that happened. How would you say those factors affected the film industry in the last year? And how do they affect diversity in film in general? I mean, those are very important factors. I mean, very huge movements that came to the forefront that I think needed to be spotlighted the way that they were. It's a very controversial topic when it comes to those matters, but in the end, everyone agrees that there needs to be an improvement, that there needs to be changes. And the industry, you know, catering to consumers, see that as well as its own um, infrastructures, if you will. Um, Their own employees are affected by these movements. You know, the actors, the talent. So it benefits everyone to want to make adjustments to help improve these things, to help make these things better. Um, The film industry is, from what I see in a lot of the new content, I can see these matters being discussed or I can see content where uh, these matters are a part of the storyline. And I think that that's very important because the wonderful thing about 
our industry is we have reach. We're able to reach individuals and households of people who don't necessarily have a direct contact or insight on these matters. You know, it's just not in their uh, atmosphere. And so by watching TV or by watching streaming platforms and looking at these stories being told, they're able to get that insight. Right. But I think it's it's very important. And I do. Um, I'm glad to see that that is that's in the content. Right. Exactly. And film is fun and entertaining. So whatever messages or themes that they have, they're really going to come across naturally. It's very influential. And although the topic of diversity itself can be received differently, people can really just sit back and appreciate the actual stories coming through them. Yeah, definitely. So recently, um, as you know, Scarlett Johansson sued Disney for supposedly breaching her contract by releasing Black Widow to Disney Plus on the same day as the theatrical release. What impact do you think this will have with talent, studios, and streaming services? I think that this is an interesting situation because on one hand, you can look at her and you can think, wow, um, because, you know, Disney, they put out there like, hey, we paid her 20 million dollars and she's getting more money on top of that. So they just basically exposed, you know, like her income on this and like, well, you know, how many of you are getting paid 20 million dollars? You know, this is how it feels like the way they said it. It's like, how many of you are getting paid 20 million dollars? And, you know, she's still asking for more money. But <clears throat> it boils down to I think she has a legitimate argument. And I I love Disney. I absolutely love Disney. But, you know, it's a business, too. And they agreed to a contract with her. You know, from what I read, you know, they came up with their um their agreement with her in like 2017. And so then you got COVID that hits in 2020. And it just, you know, ravages the whole industry itself, not just Disney. Everyone is impacted by this. And I feel that they're putting her in a position where it's like, okay, you see that COVID happened. You should be able to understand that the agreement we had before, we're not able to, um, we're not able to adhere to that. We're not able to, you know, we promised this, but we can't really do that. And basically what they promised her was based on a, a thriving, you know, uh, theoretical release. So I, I feel bad for both parties. But then at the same time, communication is everything. And from what she say is she reached out to them to see, hey, how can we negotiate this? Because Christopher Nolan kind of had the same thing with his movie when, you know, when it came out, he reached out to the studios. They kind of you know, came up with an agreement to work on like, okay, you know, the payment structure is different. We're impacted this way. This is how we can kind of, can we meet on a middle ground with this? And Scarlett Johansson said she didn't get that. She basically, you know, got hit with, you know, the pandemic happened, you know, yes, you get a loss in your income that we agreed to, but you know, this is where we are. Yeah. So on a business level, you know, it's a conflict there. It's hard to say who's right or who's wrong because we don't know all the full details, you know, of their contract agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's, and this, it's messed up. Yeah, <laughs> this unearthed a lot, actually, for studios, streaming and, you know, the talent and agents themselves. Um, because with the box office, things are a lot more transparent in terms of how well a movie does. Uh, but with streaming, it's hard to know exactly how successful a movie was, if it was successful at all. 
um, because, you know, with Disney and Netflix, they don't have much visibility into how much earnings they had, how much they spent and and that kind of thing. Um, Yeah. I mean, transparency is the biggest thing with box offices. You know, we can see how many movie tickets were bought. We can see what prices they were bought for. And, you know, we're able to compare that with the with the budget. We can say, hey, okay, so they made this much, you know, from I mean, you take the budget minus their box office profit. And it's just like, okay, that's how much they made. But when it comes to streaming services, it's like, well, you know, there's no box offices there. You know, they get you know, they could say they have an increase in subscriptions. They could say that, OK, the vo- the movie was rewatched, you know, replayed as many times. But how do you measure that compared to a movie ticket? Because, you know, the streaming income is is split a lot of different ways. I mean, a lot of that goes into like probably their marketing on different ends, whether it be you know, the subscriptions or whether it be them marketing other movies or just their platform, you're not really able to say, oh, because of this one specific thing, this is why we got this new subscriber. Mm -hmm. Granted that you have um, like Disney that will release a movie and then you pay $30 for it. I mean, that's more direct of something that we can measure, but then they're still, you know, making money other ways. You know, it's not just that. It's like somebody could you know, come to Disney, Disney Plus, and they could subscribe to see that movie. But then they could, you know, also be just subscribing to Disney to see their full catalog. Right, right. Along yeah. Along with the movie. There's a lot more variables and factors. And then people, you know, share their screen name with other people or they log in with other people. And there's like the family plans. So, yeah, how many times is the movie being watched? And, and yeah, do they really um, share that number with, you know, the, the audience and everything? Again, there's so many streaming services out there right now. Disney Plus, and there's Netflix, HBO Max, Amazon Prime, Hulu, Paramount Plus, and a lot more, big and small. What do you see as a future for theaters and streaming services? I mean, prior to the pandemic, we saw that the, the, the movie exhibition industry was being impacted. That, you know, it was starting to decline. <clears throat> and then you have the streaming services that kicked in and they start to accelerate that decline. And then you got COVID, which just basically drop kicked it. <laughs> it's like, what can you do after yeah. that? So it's kind of tough because being in the film industry, of course, I'm biased. I love that that movie going experience. I like to go and see a movie with the surround sound, the huge screen to be in the audience and then, you know, we're all reacting to, you know, different plots and and moments in the movie together. That's its own experience. And then you have streaming services, which is also great because it's super convenient. You know, you don't have to worry about traffic or you don't have to worry about upsells of popcorn. <laughs> you know, you can just sit at home with your loved ones. Or catching and, COVID. Or catching COVID, which is like the biggest thing, you know. On a consumer standpoint, it is great because you get that option. You know, it's like you're safe. You get to watch it. But on a business standpoint, you know, it's the industry is it has a lot to to overcome. I don't think that it will end, of course. I think that, you know, movie going is still going to be big. There's a thriving billion dollar industry, you know, prior to COVID. 
And I think that it would take a lot to wipe that out. I think it would take generations, honestly, because right now we have, you know, a lot of people who have the experience of movie going. But, you know, like most technology, things change over time. They change over generation. You know, you got Gen Z that was born with the cell phone, you know, so they have a different perspective Mm -hmm. from millennials who, you know, were born before cell phones were out. Or from the baby boomers before them, you know, you can see each generation that there's a change. So I think that um, as time goes, you know, the it's going to be different when it comes to movie going. Um, but for right now, it's still something that's enjoyable that I think a lot of people look forward to enjoying more again. And there's so many streaming services. What do you think will happen with them all? With companies buying each other out and new options that keep coming up. You know, it's interesting. I think that I always think money rules. (laughs) I mean, you see that huge deal that came out where Prime Video did like that huge merger deal with MGM, you know. And then you got like Mm -hmm. another huge deal uh, with AT&T, you know, buying Warner Brothers, which has uh, HBO Max. So you have like these small contenders, I don't know, just small streaming services that come out. Which one came out and then they ended, I think it was called Quickbee, if I'm pronouncing it right. Yeah, Quickbee came out, you know, that was like a small, you know, um, streaming option. It didn't survive. You know, it had to contend with YouTube. It had to contend with um, Netflix. And it's just like, okay, which one is, is winning the best? The most subscribers win. So you got Netflix leading, you got Hulu, you got Prime Video. So I'm thinking they're they're probably just going to be consolidating, (laughs) honestly. But as a consumer, I love them all fighting for my attention. You know, it's like, hey, (laughs) I get free subscriptions. I get new movies. I get more diverse niche type content, which is great because you're getting all these new perspectives So how does this all tie back into diversity for women, people of color, LGBTQ, and other underrepresented groups in film? Yeah, awesome question. You know, UCLA does every year the Hollywood Diversity Report, where they they go through the industry with a fine-tooth comb. And I think that they do an amazing job. They show um, the improvements of on-screen representation, as well as you know, the disadvantages behind the scenes with major roles like uh, directors and writers and producers, which is basically um, what's tied to diversity when it comes to content. It's the content creators as well as the on-screen representation. And I think that this all ties to that in a way where it shows that there's an audience for it. And it's like, here's proven data. Where, you know, before, you know, you were going based on um, just basically the um, the people in charge there deciding what it is that everyone should watch. But now they're saying, like, you know, look, here's the data where, you know, money is being made by us improving diversity. And how else can we get this content out other than having diverse creators? I think it all ties together and I'm I'm happy to see the improvements that have been made, but we still got a long way to go. Definitely. Where can our listeners find you on social media? And do you have any upcoming projects that you want to share or talk about? 
Yeah, sure. My website is thekjmachine.com. And all my social media handles, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, are also The KJ Machine. Uh, right now, I have in production um, movie reviews and um, TV show reviews that I will be different. I mean, new episodes that I will be posting to YouTube. Nice. Super exciting. Thanks so much, KJ, for being on our show. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. This episode of the Incluvi Movie Podcast was hosted by our executive producer, Kathy Yee, and me, Hazel Bolivar. I also serve as the show's producer and editor. Special thanks to KJ Anderson for joining us this week. Our theme music is made by Waterboy. You can visit Incluvi.com to see the Incluvi score for a movie and read reviews focused on diversity and identity in media. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram or support us on Patreon at Incluvi. That's I-N-C-L-U-V-I-E. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to join us in two weeks for our next episode and a surprise guest. See you all then. Thank you.